Hello, my beautiful friends. Today is the day for the long-awaited episode, which is about my 10 days of silent Vipassana meditation retreat. 10 days of no talking, no internet, no phone, nothing. Just you and your untamed mind. I can't wait to tell you everything about it. So let's stick into today's episode. Welcome to the Sarah Shabana Show. We are all born unique in every way, yet we often forget there is more than one way. Hesitant, we are believing in what's possible and never ask how we can make it more probable. So this is a place to learn and explore from the stories of those who have designed the life they adore. There is nothing set in stone if we stay curious and unlock the door. My name is Sarah and I'm the host of the Sarah Shabana Show. I'm here to provoke you to design your own life. Dig deeper into your curiosities and get inspired from those who created a life they love. This podcast is all about realizing the possibilities and learn real tactics and strategies on how you can design a life that brings you joy. Welcome back. So today's episode is a bit longer than my typical solo episodes because I really want to make sure you get all the information you want and know how this tool can add to your life. So I have articulated it in a way where I will share with you first how I got to know about it, why I decided to do it, what is it all about, what is this technique, what is the teaching, and what did I learn. You will also find resources in the show notes if you are curious about it and want to know more. And now let me start with why I decided to try Vipassana meditation. It's interesting because the first time I came across Vipassana meditation was around a couple of years back when I was listening to a podcast about entrepreneurship. The host, which is an entrepreneur I admire, was sharing her experience after the massive and fast success that her business accomplished. And with all these sudden changes in her life, she started to get depression and panic attacks. She was confused and even developed some phobias like fear of travel and didn't know where was all this coming from or what is the solution for this state. How come after all the success that she have accomplished, she feels that miserable? So she tried many modalities and even went to a psychologist who prescribed her antidepressant, which she then refused to take, as you know, because doesn't really treat the root cause. It just masks the, the, the state of depression. Now, there's nothing against the antidepressant, but this is what she believed and what she thought is right for her. So then a friend of hers advised her to try Vipassana meditation and again, the the 10 days of silent retreat. And then she mentioned how this really transformed her state of mind and eliminated her phobias and her panic attacks. I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then a year ago, I was reading the book Sapiens, the super famous number one best-selling book about the history of mankind by Yaval Noah Hariri. Most probably have heard about it already. Yaval mentioned in many interviews that he is very diligent about Vipassana meditation. He started with 10 days retreat and now he meditates two hours every day and he would do two months silent retreat every year. He mentioned that this kind of practice helped him connect with reality and deepen his focus to a level where he could write such deep work like the one you see in his published books. This further convinced me that I should try for myself. So while setting my goals for this year, 2022, and what are the new habits that I would like to acquire, meditation was a major goal. 
Because when I started yoga last year, I realized how much our mind is so agitated, how much we are not connected to our body, and how much biases we have as most of the time our emotions are ruling our judgments. And in order for us to be clear thinkers, we need to tame this messiness and connect with the wisdom that we all have inside. To give you a context, I did meditate before. So a few classes here and there. I also do try to meditate like 15-20 minutes a day, but that's it. So going to a course where I meditate 10 hours every single day for 10 days was quite of a stretch. Also, unlike many of my colleagues in the course, I somehow did good research about the course before I go. I knew what to expect. However, between the knowing and the experience, there is a huge difference. So now, buckle up and let me take you to my journey throughout these days and my daily experience. Day zero, which is the day you arrive. I reached the campus and just immediately upon entering, I found the registration area where they gave me like a small pouch, like a, a cloth bag. And I was asked to send my last messages or make my last calls before I switch off my phone and hand it to them for the next 10 days. So I sent my family and friends a message and handed my phone. Then they gave me my assigned room and someone helped me to go there. And I met my two lovely roommates where I had only few hours to align with them before we start the noble silence. We basically need to align on how we are going to manage the state together without talking. Like, for example, the temperature of the AC or how we are going to keep the room clean as it's the responsibility of the students or who is going to shower when and so on. So we had to align on all these things as I arrived. And after that, we went to have our orientation session, which is about the rules moving forward and the resort, how we are going to navigate it, the daily schedule, everything. In this orientation session, they started by sharing with us the precepts that we will have to take. Basically, the rules and regulations that we will follow. And they are five precepts. No killing or harming any living being. Even bugs. No stealing. No lying. No sexual misconduct. No intoxicants like alcohol or tobacco or anything that alters your mind. And of course, we must observe the noble silence. No phones. No talking, no gestures, no eye contact with anyone, no yoga pants, no working out, no music, no journaling, no reading, nothing. You can only briefly talk to the management or the teacher in whispers if you have a concern or a problem. But all students must observe noble silence from the end of day zero of the course until the last day. And everyone should cultivate the feeling that they are working in isolation. They then separated the men and the women. We remained separate till the end of the course. They have their own section in the resort and we have our own section. Now the course is scheduled. The daily schedule is the same for the 10 days. You wake up at 4 a.m. every morning, meditate till 6.30 a.m. where breakfast is served, then you meditate again till 11.30 a.m. where you can have lunch and short break till 1 p.m and then meditation resume again at 1 p.m. 
then a small snack is offered at 5 p.m. as there is no dinner. So at night you only get a snack and the snack consists of tea and fruits and is only offered for new students. All the students will only get lime water for dinner as a part of their advanced practice. We then start meditating again and then have a discourse session taught by the principal teacher and the person behind popularizing the Vipassana technique and spreading it around the world, Gian Guanka. And I will talk more about him and the technique when I start talking about the Vipassana meditation. After the discourse, there will be a short meditation session and then we will be asked to go to our rooms to sleep and rest for the next morning. And this is pretty much what happens every single day. After we got to know about the schedule, we had our first light meal together. And then it was time to practice our very first meditation session. I would say it was more of an icebreaker. So the next day we are clear about where to go and what to do. When we entered the meditation hall, everyone was assigned a specific spot for the 10 days. They give you meditation cushions and you can bring your own extra cushions if you want and blankets. And once that meditation session ended, the noble silence started. We were asked to go to our rooms and sleep so we can begin the journey of going to the universe within us. The universe most of us don't know anything about. Tomorrow, we start. This is how we wake up every morning. At 4 a.m., you will hear the gong sound. And in case you didn't get up to the banging of the big gong, a volunteer server will walk around with a smaller bell and ring it in front of the door of each room. You will have to wake up. Now, we wake up at 4 a.m. At 4.30 a.m., we must be in the meditation hall. We are three in the room. Do the math. Yes, each of us had only 10 minutes to get ready. Crazy, right? Feels like a military service. The first three days are considered preparation for the Vipassana technique. They don't tell you this at the beginning as they tend to give you simple step-by-step instructions each day and then they advance as we progress. So for the first day, we were asked to direct our focus on our breath, just observing our breath and the air passing in and out with each breath. When you realize your mind has wandered, don't get agitated. Just smile and bring it back to observe your breath. As much as how simple the instruction is, you realize how agitated our minds are. It just wants to go wander somewhere. It doesn't want to observe the present moment or the present reality. It was really tough to wake up at 4 a.m. and then meditate for two hours straight. My mind was all over the place. I feel sleepy, distracted, and really want to have my morning coffee to only go to the breakfast and realize there is no coffee offered at the facility as caffeine is considered an external stimulant and it will not give you a sound judgment on your mind sharpness. Oh, so for me, that was a big deal. For the past 20 years of my life, I've been drinking coffee every single day. It was a major addiction for me. But then I calmed myself down And I realized I am coming here to get over my attachments and my reactions. It's actually a great opportunity to train myself to avoid craving. When you get to the dining hall, you are also assigned a place for the whole period, where most of the settings are allocated facing the walls of the room to obviously avoid eye contact. After eating, everyone politely lines up again to clean their own dishes and place them on their table for the next meal. 
Now we are done for breakfast, back to meditation. My back started to pain and I had to ask the teacher for a back support. She explained to me that handling the pain and not reacting to it is part of the journey. But I'm not here to make you suffer and if I have a back problem, then she is fine to offer me a back support. Great, because I literally didn't know how I can handle 100 hours of meditations with that back pain. I went and briefly asked the lovely volunteer that the teacher accepted my back support request so she can prepare it for me. Why I'm telling you this story? Because I kept thinking about this conversation for the next four hours. It's mad. It's an insignificant conversation, but my mind was so hungry for any external stimulation and information so it can just have materials to analyze and process. Crazy. I realized how crazy my mind is. At the end of the day, I have noticed that I was slightly better. Like just slightly better. But after 10 hours of meditation that day, my focus improved. That felt good. We then asked to retire to our rooms at the end of the day, where my stomach was growling from the less frequency of food I had. I was really hungry. Day 2 and gong sound again that reminds us that despite the darkness, it was time to wake up. Just like yesterday and the days to come, we follow the same schedule. 4 a.m. we wake up and we start the day. On the second day, you start realizing, huh? So I'm actually going to wake up at this time every day? Fine. We went to the meditation room and started. Today, we have the same instructions, observing our breath but also ask to feel the air going in and out of our nostrils. Still challenging, still my mind wanders most of the time, but at least I got better at bringing it back. At some point later in the day, I started to feel weird tingling sensations on my lips, almost all over my lips. I actually thought a bug or something had bitten me, but I focus on my meditation and try to ignore this idea. We then went to our snack time and realized that this tingling sensation was gone. I was like, okay, cool. Then once we got back to the meditation room, few minutes into meditation, again, that tingling sensation is back and now stronger. Very strange. I didn't have any explanation at the time, but as we started the discourse that night, Guanka, the principal teacher said, starting tomorrow, we will start focusing on sensations, especially the area under your nose and above your lips, basically the area where you grow a mustache. You focus all your attention there for the full day tomorrow. Any kind of sensation, perceptions, heat, vibration, tingling. In my head, I was like, tingling? And then he said, and some of you might have already started feeling this today. I was like, yes, yes, I feel this. And then he said, this is because you are about to enter the field of Panna. And I was like, what? Wait, what is this field of Panna that makes me vibrate like this? What's going to happen? Basically, the field of Panna, which is wisdom, the insight, which you get when you access your deeper levels of the mind, which will start with the Vipassana technique on day four. But as of now, tomorrow, on the third day, we will keep sharpening the mind by focusing on that very small triangular area. Yay! 
Yay! Exciting day! Today, all over the campus, we find signs that says Vipassana will be introduced today afternoon. It somehow makes you both excited and worried. So, in the past three days, we have been sharpening the mind, basically training it to stop following the random thought and to feel the subtle body sensations. Now, let me explain to you Vipassana meditation. In simple words, Vipassana meditation is a practice to consciously break the subconscious habit of reacting to sensation. What do I mean by that? The philosophy is based on the fact that we don't react based on the situation, but it is because of our reaction to our body sensations, which are the emotions and feelings in your body. Again, what do I mean by that? So let's say someone insulted you. You're not reacting to him with anger because he insulted you but because you want to avoid the sensations and the agitations you felt in your body. Another example, let's say my love for coffee. This is not me loving coffee. It is me reacting to my body sensations of craving towards that coffee. So most of our actions really are reactions to our body sensations, either by cravings or by aversion. Now, as we focus on the breath, Breath is the system in your body that you can control both consciously and unconsciously. So when you are focusing on your breath and you manage to really calm your mind, you can then access the deeper levels of the mind, which what modern psychology call it subconscious. However, the teachers don't call it this way as they believe it is just a deeper mind, but it is conscious. And why it is conscious? Because now we will start to feel our body sensations and the chemical reactions that happen on a cellular level all the time, but we are unconscious of. But once we manage to train ourselves, we can actually start to feel these sensations. So as we started the Vipassana technique, we are asked to observe our body sensations. So we start scanning the body from the top of the head till the soles of the foot. These sensations could be light sensations, could be strong sensations, could be pleasant, unpleasant. Whatever it is, we are asked not to react to it. And this will help us reprogram the old pattern of the mind of blind reaction. In addition to these body scans, Day 4 also marked the beginning of something called hours of strong determination. They occurred three times each day till the end of the course, during which we were not allowed to move. Your leg hurts? Don't react. Your nose is really itchy? Don't scratch it. For the entire hour, you sit and you scan your body. The idea here is to learn not to react and reprogram your mind, but also realize one of the most important laws of the universe, the law of impermanence. What is this? It's the fact of life that change is inevitable. Change is the only constant in life. And the pain or discomfort you have in your life, if you don't give it enough attention and don't react to it, it will eventually disappear. And to be honest, this fascinated me because you will actually realize when you don't give it attention, it actually disappears. Does it hurt? Hell yeah! But you get better at it. If you stop fighting things you don't like and stop desperately trying to hold into things you do like, life can become more peaceful. The tree doesn't cry when spring is over. It knows for sure that it's coming back. Everything is temporary, so just notice each feeling, observe it without any sort of craving or aversion. Everything will ultimately shift, change, or go away. 
and that's okay because something new will take its place. And from day four till the end of the course, we observe our body sensations. We definitely get better at it as the days pass. But from this day onward, you start to get many emotions. Sometimes you feel really angry, sad, agitated. You also get very weird old memories from your childhood. I get many specifically under six years old that I did not remember before. One of my colleagues at the end of the course told me that she kept hearing kids' songs in her ears, probably something from her childhood. Many also got vivid dreams at night. I didn't. But I found that very interesting. What was also fascinating is some people got dread of some fears, like fears of cats. We had a colleague that was always very scared from a cat around the campus, but by the end of the course, she was passing next to it without any reaction. And whoever had an insomnia managed to overcome it. It was really interesting and intense experience. By day 10, midday, they informed us that noble silence is over. And we can today talk to each other between the classes or at the dining area as a form of shock absorption so we don't get back to the world all of a sudden. And oh God, once we started speaking and talking to each other and get all this information and cognitive input, meditation was so hard. It started to take me 20 minutes to start getting sensations after it used to come after 5 minutes only. My mind was way harder to calm. Even during eating, I realized I finished my meal and I didn't even notice probably what I ate because I was talking to my colleague. Crazy, right? After you try that mindfulness, you realize the crazy distracting life we are living in. So now, what did I learn from this experience? To be honest, there's so much about the philosophy that could be shared. But I'm choosing to make this episode shorter. If you're interested, I can definitely share more or even interview teachers or experienced students who can share much more with you. Let me know if this is something you want. But in general, I won't lie. Sitting and meditating for 10 days was one of the hardest things I have ever done in my life. It was like serving in the army. But it was also wonderful and powerful experience to objectively observe my mind and all of its unrestlessness. By being stuck with it for 100 hours, I noticed where my mind goes to escape from discomfort and how I avoid both emotional and physical pain. I learned more about how I cope with this. I also learned how much judgment we have. Although I am quite conscious not to judge and I know how destructive this is, I realized that Part of me was making stories and assumptions about my colleagues. As you see everyone around you and you don't talk to them, you start creating lives and backstories for them in your mind, which most of them was not true as you start engaging and talking with them. Crazy. Another key learning is you have to do the work and be persistent. If you want to reprogram your subconscious mind, if you want to stop reacting, if you want to heal your psychosomatic illnesses, which are physical illnesses caused by psychological condition, like most of the autoimmune diseases, for example, then you will have to do the work yourself. You will have to meditate every day for an hour or as advisable two hours a day. This is not a week or a month kind of practice. This is like you have a daily or weekly workout habit or self-hygiene habit. Your mental hygiene and your mental health must be a daily practice too. 
Another learning is you can get out of your cravings and your attachments. I've been drinking coffee every single day for the past 20 years of my life. I didn't expect at all that I can give this away or at least not be a must daily habit. Now, I still do drink coffee, but it's no longer every day and it's not a must in the morning. I'm giving the example of coffee, but this applies to every attachment you have, to a person, to a feeling, to a place, whatever it is, you can do it. Last but not least, progress is what matters, not perfection. In the retreat, we always been told to never be disappointed, angry, or upset with ourselves for not being perfect or perform the way we want. We always been encouraged to smile and come back to the practice with a calm and equanimous mind. Observe ourselves and progress the next time. We are all bound to success. So, if you are listening to this and you are taking this journey of self-growth, know that my heart is with you. It's not easy. We are facing our fears, our insecurities, our acquired habits, our past, our childhood conditioning, all this in the middle of this fast-paced, distracting world. Know that you are a hero. Never give up because you deserve to be free from your old conditioning and know who you really are. You have every right to formulate your own beliefs, to question things, to change what's imposed on you. You deserve to live a life you choose for yourself. You deserve to be happy. Work on developing your awareness levels. Work on healing yourself. Choose not to harm anyone, including yourself, and you will be bound to peace, happiness, and harmony. And now, as we are reaching the end, I would like to close with the statement our principal teacher used to end the meditation session with. May all beings be happy. May all beings be happy. I love you all. Remember, you deserve to be happy. If you got any question about the Vipassana technique or its centers around the world, I have all the resources in the show notes. You can check that out. And for now, goodbye till the next episode. May you all find peace and happiness, whatever you are. Bye there.